freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Wire, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Well, again, our thanks to Jerry DePoto for uh, spending 25 minutes with us here as things don't look great for his team. They're not playing good baseball. I think he was very clear about that and and saying they're not really doing anything well right now. And just when you think they might start doing something well, they come out the next night and there was no consistency to it. There was no focus. They weren't able to get it done uh, with any uh, amount of gusto. So, Brock, Mm -hmm. uh, that's one thing, but I think I probably could go out three or four more that, that you and I both heard. Where do you want to start? Well, the accountability, I, I think that that's important. You asked him flat out about that. And mm-hmm. in, you know, his initial response was, I don't know what to do with that question because let me just be as flat out blunt as possible. It's on me. It starts with me. And, and isn't that it, what you want him to say? Yes. Yes. I, I think that's what all of the Mariners fans that are frustrated want to hear him say. And it starts with me and putting this team together. And, you know, there's a tweet that we got from Ross Rickendurfer, and he said, appreciate DePoto's honesty as always. Um, but I don't have answers is something I don't want to hear from a GM and discussing how to fix the challenges. Clearly a raw, frustrating time for DePoto and company. I don't think he doesn't have answers. I, he, he's got plenty of answers. I, I think when he said that about accountability is I don't have answers as to why these players individually and collectively are struggling in ways that you, you should not be at this age and stage. Mm-hmm. Suarez isn't old. Teo, you know, I mean, he's older. He's not 40. Teo's not old. I mean, Colton Wong is getting up there, and A.J. Pollock. I think those two, you may use a little ageism and say, yeah, man, baseball, like, you can fall off that cliff pretty quickly. All sports. And maybe there, but but not Teo. Not not Suarez. Right? Not, not some of the – like, I don't have an answer as to why A.J. Pollock, in, over the last three years, has slugged 600 versus lefties. And this year, it's in the hundreds. Do you have an answer for that? I don't. Because I don't. Do any of you listening right now? Text us, 866-979-3776. Those are guys in their early 30s. Teo is 30. Eugenio is 31. Colton Wong is 32. Uh, AJ Pollock is 35. I mean, like, yeah, that's that's certainly one you can point at. And, you know, as yes. Colton Wong has averaged 12 home runs and 25 doubles. Give me an answer as to why those are zeros. He's not hit a home run this year, correct? No. No. Couple doubles. He has three doubles. I mean, why? That's literally the extent of his extra base power this year. He has three doubles in 41 games. I, like, I don't even know what to say to that. His slugging percentage is 178. Why? I, <laughs> that's not a real you number. Know, but, you know, Benetti makes fun of me, right? So I've told you this before. Like, he's he's been my first partner that's legitimately got in my head at times. <laughs> because he loves to impersonate. McDonough's is A1. But if he's around you for any amount of time, he's going to impersonate mm-hmm. you. And the one he does for me is like, why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's we're sitting with coaches in production meetings, and that is often my go-to of, well, why? Or even in game, I guess I do that. Why? How? Why? And I don't even know that I do it. Yeah, but, he's, but he's do. got it. That's, yes. pretty, that's pretty right. So answer me that. Fancy me that. Why? Why? Why these numbers? Well, and I think what you hear from Jerry is they believe in their plan. They believe in their process. The results have not been there because they didn't execute well. He echoed what Ryan Divish said to us Monday about control the zone. 
and that is control the zone, if you really want to boil it down, is get to two one counts, not one two counts. Yeah. You know, get that blackjack table, Salk. Get it so you have a, you yeah. know. Tilted in your favor. Tilt in your favor. Yeah. So so let's talk about that a little bit, and, and we can come back to some of Jerry's other stuff here in a little bit. But Why? Let's, let's talk about control the zone, because that's been one of the things that's a big part of their philosophy. Why does it work better for pitchers than hitters, and how could it work better for them? I've been thinking about this. Mm-hmm. So I understand why it works better for pitchers than hitters. The idea is throw strike one, right? Throw strike one, not ball one. That's like a face card in blackjack. You have, but yeah, except that you have control over it instead of hoping. It's not like a face card in blackjack. It's just throw strike one. You have control over it yourself. But throw once you strike. have strike one, okay, once you have strike I one. I understand, but, but, bro, we're talking about why does it work better for them? Ah, uh, why is it easier for them to control the zone? Because you have control of it. Yep. You can quite literally control the zone as a pitcher because if you're you in control one. of what you do. If you have the command and the ability to do that. No. If you got the stuff no, and the command. No, no, I don't think that's what I'm saying. Oh, really? No. Yes, you're right. Once you get into uh, you're what you're saying is correct. Once you get into a one strike count, you're in better shape. Yes. But you have the control over whether or not you get into that count or not. You you throw the ball and it e- you throw it either in the strike zone or not in the strike zone. Okay. When you're a hitter, you are not in control. The pitcher is going to throw you a pitch. It's going to go where it goes. Oh, I see. Okay. If it's a yes. strike, it's yes. a strike. There's nothing yes. you can do about that. Okay. So, when, so take talent out of it, basically. So right? when Just, you when you think about trying, uh, I'm trying to make this about accountability. Yes. Right. How do I hold a pitcher accountable? Well, if you throw strike, if you throw ball one too often, you don't pitch for me. Yep. It's pretty simple, right? Hey, too many walks. Too many, too many ball ones, too many ball twos. You're too in that one, one count that can completely change in a bat. You're throwing too many balls. You're not my pitcher anymore. I can hold you accountable. Yep. But for the hitter, he can't choose where the ball is. He doesn't get to choose his pitch. He doesn't get to choose or execute on where the pitch is coming. He's reacting rather than being proactive. So how do you start? Exactly. He's reacting, not being proactive. So how do you hold the hitters accountable? And I've been thinking about it, and I don't. And this is maybe a question for Jerry next week when we have a little bit more time on this. But I would think the answer is, look, I can't hold the hitter accountable for whether or not the first pitch is a strike or not. But I can absolutely hold them accountable for swinging at balls. Mm-hmm. And to me, that would start to become the essence of controlling the zone because they don't mind their hitter swinging at the first pitch if it's a strike. Right. Right. If it's a good pitch, swing and do damage on that pitch. That's what you heard from Jerry. Mm-hmm. Do damage. It doesn't just mean walk. It means take good pitches and, and, and do damage on the bad ones. All right. Well, that I think you could still hold people accountable to. You're swinging at ball one. You're swinging at ball two. You're not doing damage on the balls in the strike zone, which is exactly what you heard Scott say last night after they lost. Yeah, there were, he did throw good changeups, but on the ones that we could do something with, we didn't do anything with them. Yeah. And that's the problem. You, you know what's interesting is, and I was looking at some pictures of the, of the Seahawks field, and I don't know if you noticed this on the practice field yesterday. Did you notice in the, the, some of the new markings on the field? No. You didn't notice some of the new lines out there, right? No. They're, they don't just have the traditional yard lines. They actually have lines out there. And one of them I have never seen on a field before, and I'm kind of anxious to talk to Pete about huh. this. In the back corner of the end zone, they have like the back corner by the back pylon. They have a whole area that, that looks like a, more than a checkerboard. It looks like it's all X'd out. 
And I'm like, I have never seen that. But you know what? How many times that back pylon throw is a quarterback? I'm throwing to the back pylon. This mm. is my landing zone. On a, on a corner route huh. to the end zone, I'm throwing to this back pylon. Here is my landing zone for both offense and then for the defense to understand. I have never in my life ever seen that on any field before. I've seen red lines. You know what the red line is, right? That runs kind of near the boundary. That is for receivers to get on top on a go route, get back on that line, and for DBs to push you off that line and to use the 12th defender, use the out of bounds. So you'll see those lines in some ways in football, like that's a control of the zone. Those are those are areas, those are things just proactively you know, mm -hmm. like you know parts of the strike zone. Like if if you win these, you have a great chance, and that is where right now collectively this offense is not winning them. They're getting to some two one counts. And where you should have a 60% right. advantage, they're not. They're not hitting them. They're and, not hitting and, them. And that comes back to that power number that, that, that this team was built to take advantage of. Yep. And they've been power zapped so power far this year. outage is what he said. Well. Collective power outage. All right. Uh, we'll come back, back to this now. here in a few minutes uh, because there's still a lot more in there. You heard Jerry say specifically that they can't just swap out eight guys for eight new ones. You heard him say that they could acquire Babe Ruth in his prime and it wouldn't make a huge difference for this team right now. You heard him. I mean, there's there's some there's a lot. We'll come back to a few of those things in a few minutes. Right after everything you need to know, this hour is brought to you by 3010 Weight Loss for Life. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710 SeattleSports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Another lousy game for the Mariners last night, Brock. It was clearly not good at all. I mean, they got blown out again. And you heard from Jerry DePoto here in the last hour just how challenging this is for them right now. It's not going right in any part of the game for them. And I'm not sure they know entirely what to do about that. They have guys up and down their lineup who are not performing at a level even close to where it's been and where they have in the past. And they don't find themselves in a position where there's an easy fix. We could go out and acquire prime Babe Ruth and it's not going to help us. <laughs> we have we're not one player away or, you know, one magic salve from from fixing this. This is a commitment from 26 players on a roster to reverse our course. And, you know, between now and the end of July, if we show progress in that way, then we'll go out and solve what problem, you know, or problems we can solve. But we're not going to flip out our roster for, for six or eight new players. It is a collective power outage. That was the start of the conversation, uh, minute two or three, and that Babe Ruth was the finish of the conversation. We'll get back to some of those cuts and a whole bunch more of it tomorrow, but it was as accountable, it was as transparent, as honest as you could be. I know that uh, there's there's some that like to get after us and, and think that you know we're a little soft in, in, in throwing questions. I, I, I don't know what other question you want. We ask about Colton, we ask about Pollock, we ask about this offense, and he answers it. And he is as perplexed as many of us because – Maybe with some, you could see it coming, right? With Colton and AJ, there, there may be an ability to say, yep, should have seen that one coming. There, there's a reason the market was what it was. There's a reason you could acquire it. There's a re okay, whatever. You, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt on that. To Oscar Hernandez, Cal Raleigh stepping back a little bit right now, a Eugenio Soros stepping back dramatically right now, and collectively doing no damage. Uh, I'm sorry. That, that, is, uh, that is perplexing. And yes, it's hard to hear. We don't have answers for why it's so perplexing. But they, they have to give these guys the opportunity still. And I know it's not early for many of you, 
but they have to give them the opportunity to dig themselves out of it. Well, they'll have that opportunity starting tomorrow. Another day off today. They roll into Anaheim, and they will take on the Angels over the weekend. Here's the second thing you need to know. It was out of Seahawks practice uh, yesterday, the second of three rookie, or excuse me, mandatory mini camp practices. And uh, you know, the guy, Brock, that everybody seems to be referencing is D. Eskridge, and D.K. Metcalf was excited about him. From last year to now, I think he's a totally different player. Um, he, he's been explosive off the line of scrimmage, catching everything, um, knows where to line up. Um, I mean, he's teaching me stuff since I, I haven't been here uh, for a couple of weeks. So he's teaching me stuff about the offense, uh, little details about the routes that I didn't know before. So, uh, I mean, he's just locked in uh, more than ever. So it's more, for him, it's more than just being healthy, man? Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, with D, is just getting him on the field. Uh, he's been special this whole camp, and, you know, we've seen how special he could be. Um, but injuries just have played him uh, throughout his career. So when, once he gets on the field and once he steps on the field, you're going to see how special he is. It's amazing. Everybody has talked about him, and certainly that would be a huge, huge plus for this team if he gets going. Every time I make a point to watch him, he has a drop or the play goes nowhere or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm obviously just looking at the wrong plays because everyone mm-hmm. seems to be really excited about what he's doing. Well, his receiver coach, Sanjay Lau, is exacting. He is demanding. And this is a make-or-break year, man. This is you, You've watched this organization draft Jackson Smith and Jigba. You have watched them pay others. And, and going into year three, if you don't do it now, you're not going to do it as a Seattle Seahawk. And that, that kind of pressure, that sounds cold-blooded, but that's the reality of this league. And I think he knows it. And physically, the reason that DK and Tyler and those guys talk about him, Salk, is because he has kind of like Bryce Miller, and he's got physical stuff others don't have. I mean, he's Percy Harvin Light from just a physical speed, power jump, all that stuff. But he's got to put it together in a make-or-break year. Here's the third thing you need to know. New season, new preseason, new preseason home, and new announcing team on King 5 this year. No Kurt Menefee. It'll be Kate Scott and Mike Robinson doing the games with a little help from Mike Bennett as well. And then Paul Sylvie and KJ Wright will handle all the studio stuff pre, post game, halftime, etc. If you don't know much about Kate Scott, she does play by play for the 76ers, and she joined Bump and Stacy yesterday, explaining why she loves her gig. It's as close as you can get to being a part of a game without being an athlete or a coach or a part of the training staff, you know. Um, I loved reporting. I loved anchoring. But there was just something different about being live for two and a half to four hours, however long the game you were calling was going on. And maybe not getting to be in the moment, but maybe getting to be a voice of somebody's biggest moment of their career. That broadcast is going to be young, fresh, and fun, man. It really is. So Mike Rob in with Kate, and Mike Rob did it last year and has done some of that. KJ Wright down on the sidelines. Mike Bennett, you saw last year, was uh, was an awful lot of fun. So you, you, it's going to be an enjoyable preseason, and they're going to have a lot of young, fun, fresh players to cover. A lot of these rookies, a lot of these second-year players. So, yeah, a whole new spin, and we'll uh, certainly be watching. I've worked with Kate a number of different times. She is refreshing. Uh, she is on it. She knows, you know, what she is and, and some of the, the barriers she's breaking through. But it's not all about that. It's, you know, it's about being a teammate and putting on a great product and works her tail off. All right. Looking forward to that. Uh, the only other uh, news to note, 
It's just what's going on with the A's in Vegas. It is nuts. Just trying to pay attention and following on Twitter last night as they went through the uh, the special session of the legislature there in Carson City. Yep. Dude, it's ugly. I mean, like, the A's are not making much of a pitch. It's basically just like, no, you should just want us. And the officials are like, well, but if we're going to spend all this money in a stadium, what do we get back? Are you paying taxes? Are you yep. paying entertainment taxes? Where's your you in the game? Yep. And they're like, no, not really. Yeah. I, I don't know whether it's going to happen. It probably will just because, you know. This is the way this game's played. Right, because eventually they figure out the right people to make it work with. But it's not like the, you know, the Liwikis who come in and they show you everything and they give. John Fish is just like, eh, whatever. You should just yeah. do it for me. Really bizarre to watch. That's everything you need to know. We do that quarter past every hour. Hey, can I tell you, I heard one of the great sound bites. Huh? Uh, I was just thinking about this last night. It you was. Did? I did after the NBA game that the Nuggets trying to do something that they've never done. They've never been on this stage. Kind of like when the Mariners eventually get to a World Series, you know, it's going to be the same feeling that the, the Denver market is feeling as far as these Nuggets getting there and, and a, a young core of players in their own, Jamal Murray and, and the Joker. And yeah. the head coach was asked about it. W- uh, was it this? And I'm glad you ought to have that Ralph Asalafushi who never got past number one. <laughs> Was no, that the one? No, oh, it, sorry. No, it wasn't that. I just got Ed Orgeron on the brain. I got you. No, Malone that. asked about those two, Murray and and the Joker, and it was so cool. And uh, the baseball players were over working out. A bunch of families were all watching the game and watching the presser. And he said, uh, was asked about those two. And he said, you know what? There, there's a lot of great tandems that play with each other. They play, you know, with and, and play two-man games, and there's a lot of them. There's not many that play for each other. Mm. And that's the difference. And I was like, oh, I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> My boy Stink, Mark Schlereth, has a whole book that he keeps stuff in. He writes down lines. And I mean, isn't that the him. Ricardo Lockett thing that it we is. played a million times? That right? Is. I mean, like when you start playing for your brother instead of yes. with them, that's when. But in the NBA, Salk? In the NBA? Yeah, I mean, I've never with, heard of that in the NBA. With superstars? Yeah. I mean, that's what, you know, Stockton Malone. That's what, you know, Magic and Chris, that's what those teams did. And uh, and certainly the Warriors when they won it with Steph he was he was very humble and 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 shared the ball and gave credit elsewhere but that one like in wow. the NBA that's Big so time. counterculture and it was pretty cool. All right, well let's get back to uh, some of what we heard from Jerry. Uh, yes, he said they could acquire Prime Babe Ruth and it wouldn't do much difference. What else did we hear from the president of baseball operations? Quite a bit, and we'll dig into it next. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Oh, man, it's a tough spot to be in, right? Your team is losing. No one is executing. No one is playing well. The results are, are pretty lousy. And you start having to make decisions, right? How are you going to move forward? And I think what I liked about Jerry today was that he was very understanding of the emotions around the team right now uh-huh. and appreciative and, 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 and sympathetic to how upset people are and the fan base, et cetera. But also understanding the old Terry Francona line, manage like a fan and you'll end up one. He can't afford to be emotional, even though the rest of us can be. And I, I do understand because, look, you think you if, think if you talk to Jerry during yesterday's game, he doesn't want to kill somebody. I mean, I'm sure he's furious. Out hit 17 to four. Right. I mean, like, I'm sure he's watching that game yesterday and he wants to kick whatever's closest to him. 
but he can't afford. It's not possible to just constantly react and change plans and this and that. We have a name for that here in Seattle. It's called Jack Zarensic. Yep. Right. I mean, we saw what that looked like, an emotional reaction to everything and constantly switching plans. And if Ryan Divish was here right now, that's the first thing he would say. Oh, you mean like Jack Zarensic? Because mm. that's exactly what Zarensic was. So Jerry, I think, thankfully, understands that that's not the direction to go. If we show progress in that way, then we'll go out and solve what problem, you know, or problems we can solve. But we're not going to flip out our roster for, for six or eight new players. Uh, again, I feel we are young, we are sustainable, and we are struggling. And, you know, the worst time to make decisions is when you're at your worst. So uh, I, I think the appropriate measure is take a deep breath, watch what's happening around the league for these next 30, 40 days, and, and put yourself in a position to, to make a difference when, when it comes that time. But, you know, to think, oh, my gosh, we need to trade all these guys and start over, that's absurd. Can't do it. And the market wouldn't allow you to do it anyway. Right. Uh, I mean, this is a market that, you know, so many teams, especially in the American League or in it, the, actually the National League, more are even in it. You know, I know I've seen some names floated in Cincinnati. They just called up one of their young absolute studs. And, and he was bro. ridiculous last bro. night. Did you see how fast? Yes. Fastest ever? And he hit a 485 foot home run or whatever the heck it he was. He looked I mean, like, like Usain Bolt yeah. running. If Usain Bolt was a bait, because he's six foot five. Yeah. And and if Usain Bolt were a right handed yeah, baseball no, I saw player, <laughs> 10.8 seconds. Unbelievable. From home plate to third. Yeah. I think we should do that. I think we should go <laughs> see the third ourselves. Yeah. yeah. See what the four of us can each do from, mm. from, from the batter's box home plate to third. All right. Yeah, maybe 20.6. Maybe. I don't know. I have no idea. But that guy was absolutely fun. Even they're in it. So, oh, yeah, you can go trade for India from Cincinnati. Why? Why would they trade? They're not trading. So many teams in it in the NL. And obviously in the AL, very, very competitive at the top. And, and teams having a great year. So there's not a market to even swap out four, five, six guys. That, that's not, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Are they having conversations? Absolutely. If you started those conversations with teams, if they called you, absolutely. But I think you also heard him say that unless the team does enough to warrant it, Correct. they're not going to go out there and make a trade just for a trade sake because, as he said, acquiring prime Babe Ruth alone would not fix what's ailing this team right now. So you've got you know almost two months to go fix it yourself and then see where the holes are that you can add in in okay, order to so, make yourself better. Okay, so, so just point blank, just just right now, little time capsule, four of us. Okay, I know Justin's busy, busy on uh, unranked. Yeah, it's, thanks. It, it was a, it was a late start, so I'll let you get back to it. But just time capsule right now, the four of us all have got to write our answer down, put a little time capsule, bury it for forty days. Do you think this roster collectively right now, that whom you have, can turn this around? can turn this around to, to, to where, you know, maybe you're five back in the division instead of 10 back. So over the next 30 days where it is the Angels, it's the Marlins, it's the White Sox, there's there's some good teams sprinkled in there. There's opportunities sprinkled in there. Can the next, or will? Will they do it over the next 40 days? Will this collective question. roster? Question. Pretty can different they? question. Sure, can they? Yes. Will they? Moment, okay, huh? will they? Will they? Will they? Over the next 30 to 40 days, will this collective roster right now, before they can even make moves, and as you said, be the ones to define the moves that the organization's going to make, will they do it? I don't have any clue. I don't have a clue. I have no idea. I feel like I would need to see more signs that consistency is coming right now to have, like, if you asked me right at this moment to have to make that decision, I'd have to say no. I yeah, haven't I'm... seen anything to show me that they're make, turning that corner. 
Yeah, the optimist to me would say it doesn't take much. Right. Like, I mean, that's why I would say, yeah, I think they will turn the corner. It is going to be the Angels. It will be the Marlins. It will be the White Sox. It'll be at New York Yankees, if that smoke ever lifts, at Baltimore. I mean, that is going to be Mm -hmm. an absolutely murderous road trip at New York, at Baltimore. Then the Nationals come to town. Then the Rays come to town. I mean, it's back and forth with an absolute quality opponent, one that you could beat, quality opponent, one that you could beat. I think I would answer yes, and I would say the reason why is because they are and have been so bad Mm -hmm. that even if you take just little steps, even if you hit one home run (laughs) a game, just hit one home run, even if you don't strike out 15 times, just I think the problem you're running into, though, is that simultaneously you've got a pitching issue all of a sudden with a couple of your starters. Marco's going to be out during that month, et cetera. So can they turn the corner hitting-wise? Yeah, of course they can. Are they going to have the kind of success overall they need to to claw their way back into the race? I don't know. I don't know whether that's possible or not. I I, I know that this team so is once capable again, more of a lot I more. Answer the questions. I mean, once again, Mora says uh, no. I say yes, and you say I don't. Know. I'm out of the stupid prediction business, man. <laughs> I think people should have a pretty good idea by now that I don't have a freaking clue I, how to predict say, anything. You should say no to like reverse jinx it, for dude. Me. I don't right. have any idea. I never know. <laughs> Predictions dumb. I'm out. I read it in my paper. Right, what exactly. Do I, know? I don't. I don't have any idea. I know they're capable of it. Yeah. Will they do it? I mean, like you know. Yep, Justin. Yes, Justin. Will they? Will they do it? I say yes. Of course, Justin says yes. Jeez, oh, I have to say yes. Like, do we even what, need to what, ask? Otherwise, what's the point in like watching and rooting for it? Like, I'm absolutely saying yes. Yeah, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. Nice Maybe job. Longer, through and through. Uh, let me play you some more from Jerry because it, you know part of this is about the philosophy behind it, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I I tend to agree with them on is that I think their philosophy is fairly sound. The execution has been not good, and the results have obviously been disastrous so far. This is how you build rosters. You know, you, you draft and develop. I've, I've said this over and over on these airways. That's what we do. And, you know, roughly 80% of the production in, in major leagues today comes from players that were acquired via the draft, developed, or traded for and added to a core. And, you know, and we're on the extreme end of that. You know, we, we do very well in, in, in those areas. Uh, you don't make your hay by building teams in free agency. And, you know, right now we're watching a couple of teams in the league that have went out and, and poured it in in free agency. You know, one of them is, is riding high and multiple of them are riding low. So that's probably the thing Jerry said that I think will upset the most number of people who are are upset that they did not build more through free agency. What do you make of his point that 80% of the productivity in the league is coming from guys that were drafted and developed rather than signed in free agency. When I look and I did a deep, deep dive on some of these different teams, try to figure some of this out over the last weekend and, and looked at the Rangers, that's true. You know, they're homegrown, they're drafted or they're traded, they're the majority of them. Now, they've supplemented with some arms in free agency. They supplemented, obviously, with Simeon and Seeger in free agency, who this year are hitting and, and hitting phenomenally well and elevating that whole program. But then there are the New York Mets. Ask a Mets fan, Luke Arkins, how he's feeling. Then there are those Padres. You just got them playing. They're four games under five hundred, And they spent a, a mid-market team like as major, major, major as you could. Was that rolling? 
You know, Larry Hills will tell you, nobody washes the car like the owner. Ask the Angels when you're, for all those years. Ask the Phillies right. this year. I mean, like, yeah, th- this game is littered with examples on both sides of it. Yeah, the Rays on the other side of it. If you're on the extreme, the Rays are even more extreme than you. Mm-hmm. I mean, they draft and trade. They never pay. They don't, they don't have the market to do it. They don't have the ownership to do it. Billy Bean, for decades, was even further extreme than that. That's, that's how you have to do it. So yeah, I, you know I like homegrown. You know I like homegrown core. You know how much I think that means. We know in this market what it meant in 11 and 12 and 13 and 14 with a world championship and and all of those that you could call your own that will all be in the ring of honor and will all go in the Hall of Fame, many of them as Seahawks. Like, you know what that means. And, uh, you know, and frankly, this Mariners team, right, with A-Rod and and Griffey and and that crew and Edgar, they were homegrown and Mm -hmm. meant more. Sure, you got to supplement. And if... You know, unfortunately, Colton or AJ or Teo were playing to their baseball card. We would have a different conversation than we have today. This team would not be 30 and 31. But the ones that you supplemented with, unfortunately, have been some of your worst productive players this season. And you find yourself in the situation you find you find yourself in. So, you know, I, I tend to, and I, I don't think that's a made-up number. You know, we, we'll have Joe Fan on tomorrow, and we'll discuss that 80% number, too. That doesn't feel... As I look around the league, Mike, and oh, by the way, uh, Arizona's kind of having fun right now with their homegrown, and Tampa's having fun with their homegrown and whom they trade for, right? That 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 you're homegrown and your trade, mm-hmm. and you got to be right. And you know what? Last year they were right. Julio, homegrown, all star, stud, absolute. Eugenio, absolute stud, difference maker. Luis Castillo, trade, absolute ace, stud. And that's why they took those steps. Brock, the thing that makes it so hard for me, and this is my Mariners group chat that's speaking here, so I'm projecting a little bit, but I know there are Mariners fans who would agree with this, is it would be easier to swallow regression and just some of the, I don't know, just some of, I don't want to say collapses, it's not the word I mean, if it didn't start out with, this is a World Series contender. Yep. Because yes. that so I, I tried to ask Jerry about that. I tried 100%. to ask him about that with the expectation game and asked if the expectations had changed. I don't know that he took it necessarily that way, and maybe I needed to be more specific mm-hmm. about it, and maybe we will be at some point. I was trying to kind of allude to that and see if he would kind of dig into it. Yeah. I, I, Is I think still a World Series contender? Well, we'll ask him that next week. Yep. Right? I mean, I, I think that's a fair question to ask, but... But you're 100%. I mean, the, the, the reason, you know, things sting a little bit more is when you expect, and the mm-hmm. team has shown you, and last year this core... And, and the bulk of these players showed you what they're capable of doing, getting to the second round of the playoffs and playing Houston to as tough as anybody played them. So, yeah, Justin, I think on that group chat, yes, is, I, I, I think like it makes this thing more. But it should. Like, I got to tell you, like, I don't have any yep. problems with him saying that. This team absolutely should have been. You in, wrote about it. They should have been. Yes. They, they have enough talent on their roster to be in that conversation. They're not playing like it. I mean, like, they are, as as you heard Jerry saying again, people may not like what he said, but I think he's probably right. If you offered to swap rosters with all 29 other teams in the league, a whole bunch of them would say yes in a heartbeat. I think that they do have enough talent around to, to be in that World Series conversation, but they've not executed on it. They've not delivered on it in any way, shape or form. So does that change as the season goes? Yeah, of course it has to, right? I mean, like, you know, you have to earn the right to continue to, to, to be in that conversation, but mm-hmm. it's not like Jerry was the only one saying it. And you had prognosticators and people around the game who were all believing in what the Mariners were doing this year. But about short, 
I mean, I think they all believed, but the majority of them all said, and even you said. I think that's pretty clear. They were a bat short. bat short. Yep. But you're a bat short. Yep. And if that bat you could have added was prime Babe Ruth, would it have made a difference? Not the way they've played right now. No. Correct. But from the beginning? It might have helped. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Might have helped. Yeah. Might, maybe. Yep. I mean, the one I look at it, you know, if we're going to be critical, I, I, I understand the philosophy behind Teo. It hasn't worked, but I think it was a good move. I understand the philosophy behind Colton Wong. It's really not worked, but in a way that I think is completely I'm not saying it was ever going to be great, but it was never supposed to be anything it's like hurt. this. Yeah. I and and Tommy Lestella, like whatever. That's a you know, somebody you add at the end, and he's not really even supposed to be here. The guy that to me is the f- sort of single one is AJ Pollock. And there was never any real reason that should work. He's not coming off a good year. He is 35 years old. He might be a decent veteran, but he's not a guy who's going to lead the clubhouse. That's never been who he is. He does have a little World Series experience, but you were kind of counting on him to play a significant role this year. Eh, not really. You were counting on him to do one thing, to be a mercenary. No. A mercenary no, to left-handed that's pitching. not true. Yes, you were. No, you weren't. Yeah. You were counting on him to do that and to fill your rotating DH role and to play some right field to let Teo do that. I'm sorry, man. I think well, they that, gave the guy that $8 million. Dollars. Then it's that a, was a mess. I, that's literally what I'm saying. I right. think that was the biggest miss they had this offseason. If, if, if they spent that same $8 million on a player who was doing all of those things, I don't think you're having nearly this much conversation, honestly. Yep. AJ Pollock has been unfortunately terrible, but he was not only supposed to to help out Kelnick in left field. He was supposed to also play on some other days yeah. and do some of those other yeah. things. And he's not any of that. No. And you counted on your DH to be those moving other parts, as you just said, to give guys a little rest, to give a Eugenio an yeah. opportunity. His power is out. Right, Teo, to, to be a date. Well, you can't strike out 10 to 1 to right. walk. Right? Well, you Lestella can if you've got 15, 20 home runs. Cooper Hummel, and like you were counting on that rotating door, yeah, and that, that just, just didn't hasn't worked at all. No. All right, let's do some ranking. You know that friend who's kind of a know it all, and yes. when you ask them for a simple answer, or maybe a top five ranking for something, they have to list everything they know on the subject so you know how clever they are and maybe throw in a couple of bad puns so you know they're witty as well. Yeah, me too. This is Undiscerning. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen every day on Brock and Salt at 945. Undiscerning, says the person who spent 15 minutes today telling us all about the Vanderpump reunion last night. <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> I read a whole article about wit this morning. Are you feeling real sharp right now? <laughs> Just saying, I read a whole article about wit this morning. How important it is for people. I mean, undiscerning is a very good name. Yeah. All right. Well, let me uh, tell you that after a very discerning interview with uh, our guy today, Derek Hall, we thought we would rank Halls. Couldn't rank knees despite him having yeah, we, the largest knees I've ever well, seen. I looked into it. Knee deep. It's right. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Knee high stocking company. It's a pretty short list. Yeah. So here you go. Halls ranked Brock like this. In the hall of fame. This was an ESPN promo. Working out. Oh, you played that one? On that's your a, that's on my playlist. Wow. Yes, it is. I just remember that that ESPN commercial must have run so a good. million times. So good. Oh my gosh. 
Johnny Cash. Well, my name it is Sam Hall. Sam Hall. Yes, my name it is Sam Hall. Any guesses who in the building, who in our group, put that one on the list? How today? much Johnny Cash yeah. played in Libby Montana? Oh, boy. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Wait a bit. Oh, boy. Yeah, that one's for my dad. That's for Tracy. How, many, how much Anthony Michael Hall was viewed? In Libby, Montana, growing mm, Yeah, I watched Edward Scissorhands a lot, Breakfast Club a lot. Okay. Yeah. What Good. It? You ever watch Top n- Five Hall? Huh? Not a Top Five Hall. You know any long haul truckers? Oh, I sure do. <laughs> you ever rent- Hold on a second. That's H A U L. You ever rent a U Haul? I've rented a U Haul as well. Mm. What do you think, Brock? Have you rented a U Haul, Saul? Yeah. You ever uh, worn a halter top? <laughs> Good question. Hey, hey, that's unnecessary. Hey, long fingers over there. Come on. No, that I is... think I uh, didn't add as much music just... to that new open as I thought I did. Oh, I thought you just hit something accidentally with those giant fingers of yours. That is, the Oscar that is wrong. Hang on, hang on. Stand I was going to ask you if you knew how many holes it takes to fill the Albert Hall. Sheesh. Maybe, Carnegie. maybe even to Carnegie Hall. Yeah. Brock, maybe you were ever sacked by Tom Bahali. Uh, no, I think no. he was after me. Never, never I Tom played last never century. Did. Oh, but sorry about that. Oh, there we go. You ever been in the Hall of the Mountain King? Big part of Trolls. That song stresses me out. This one? Yes. yes. There's a lot going on in that song. That's too much. Yeah. Brock, this one's for you, though. It's not somebody who's seen the light. It's a call and it's a broken hallelujah. It's a broken hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's a great song, isn't it? The Jeff Buckley version is just so much better. You like the Jeff Buckley one? Oh, What's yeah. the other one? Leonard uh, huh? Leonard Cohen. Yeah, I like the Leonard Cohen one. Yeah, yeah that one's good. I love Jeff Buckley. That's all day long. You tell what he's saying there? Dance all day, Mom. <laughs> All day long. I think it's Dance Hall Days. Oh, we were looking oh. for a Scantum Beantum. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Brock said Dance Hall Day Mom. I think that's what I said. Dance I think it's yeah. Dance Hall Days Love, but it's hard to say. Dance Hall Days Love. Love? Now? Dance now all day, Mom. Love. I think Dance Hall Days Love sounds right to me. Dance Hall Days Love? Yes. Oh, H-A-U-L is fine as long as it's some country music, huh? Zach Brown is a pass for Brock. They do. All right. I like Zach Brown. Well, maybe he'll play a Radio City musical. Or you could find him on the Hallmark Channel. Or one day to Valhalla, Brock. Of course, you got D'Angelo Hall. I know you know him. He's power through. Yeah. What's up, Laura? You know if something terrible is on your list? No. Because it's undiscerning. No. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about Halsey? Halsey's not terrible. Do you know that a lot of my peers are noticed in the play-by-play realm? You know what they do? What? Hall's cough drops. Even oh, when yeah? they don't have a sore throat. Good one. That's yep. a good call. All right, are you ready for the top five? Not sure. Ho- no Holler Lake in the top five. I'm assuming. Didn't quite make it. Yeah. Number five, I don't think we have sound of him, Brock, but the X Factor, the human joystick himself. Hmm. Dante Hall. Oh, he was so fun. So fun to watch in Kansas City. Did he play with your brother? He did. Yep, yeah, he did. That's what I thought. Yep. He's fantastic. He was super fun to watch. All right, he, he is number five X. on our list of Halls ranked. Number four. 
deck the halls with boughs of holly. Fa la 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 It's a famous one. As we get close to the longest day of the year here in the next I'd like to hear Ed Orgeron sing that. I don't even think I could imitate that. Sing anything. Sing any Christmas songs. Jingle bells, deck the halls. You should really think about that. It's like Num- the DMX read off the red. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just things that yes. shouldn't happen together. Number three. How about that? How about that guy? Woo. Just some lungs right there now. How about Arsenio Hall's hands put up to Mora's hands? Arsenio Hall has the longest fingers I've ever seen. Eh. Mora doesn't hold a candle to Arsenio. Eh. Nope. But how are his knees is the real question. Probably long and knobby like the rest of them. But you think he, he had, could go double Pringles? Do you remember when, uh, when Arsenio would talk to somebody, he'd put his hands together? Yes. Do you ever watch that show? Oh, yeah. It's a great show. First, he'd do the dog power, and he'd do his thing with the arms, and he'd say, these people over here, these are the people who eat broccoli twice a week. Like, ah, they go crazy, right? But then he'd sit down with somebody, and he'd put his hands together in, like, a like praying, a praying like he was praying, and his fingers were huge, huge, huge fingers. So All right, number two, Annie Hall. Sometimes when I'm driving on the road at night, I have this sudden impulse to turn the wheel quickly, head on into the oncoming car. I can anticipate the explosion. Right. Well, I have to go now, Dwayne, because I, I'm due back on the planet Earth. <laughs> then he drives them to the airport. I love that movie. Sorry. That's number two. Number, number two. one, I would think, would be... Uh, oh, jeez. Wow. Yeah. Jeez, we've got a really, really, really quick time. hook today. Yes. Really, really... It's got to be Hall and Oates, right? Of course Come it on. is. Give me some. intro of all. Think so? Yes. I think I would have gone with the kisses on my list. Rich Girl, Sarah Smile, so many good songs. Yeah, there's Tell a lot me of you don't feel Chrissy even in Hollow Notes. I mean, he could basically <laughs> be bopping along. Yeah. All right, we got to go. Uh, Hollow Notes is number one. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. with our usual... I'll be in the house. Everything tomorrow. that. Oh, you're I'll in? Be in the house. Oh, Brock's yep. in tomorrow. In How about tomorrow. that? All right. Well, we'll do it starting at 6 a.m. Stick around for Bump and Stacy. Until then, the hey. Vision of Barmark. See you, everybody. Get to the chopper!